welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, D. Dylan Bear, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Basson, bringing the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. What's up, webheads? Along with Paul Roshan, Ryan Griffin, Dylan Bear, I'm Matt Basson. Welcome to Sports Carnage, a very somber Sports Carnage, as everyone who's listened to this podcast already knows, because uh, it's been going on for a while now. But this past Sunday, uh, one of the greatest basketball players to ever lace him up, and the closest to ever beat a Jordan when it was when there was a time that that mattered, and that's everything the NBA was looking for at that time was the next Jordan, uh, and people thought it was going to be Grant Hill. Injuries took care of that. People thought it was going to be this player. It didn't pan out. That player didn't pan out. And then Kobe Bryant stepped up to that mantle and then some. And he just goes down this Sunday in a helicopter crash. A helicopter he has flown so many times throughout his time in Los Angeles. Uh, Found out more as the story goes on about why, and it was too get time to be a dad to be able to do more with his family and not spend it stuck in LA traffic which for those who have never been in it LA traffic sucks the 405 freeway is called the 405 because you can go about 4 or 5 miles an hour Uh, it's a miserable experience to be stuck in that traffic and so I understand why Kobe would want to travel that way Um, finding out the reason for it you know, over the last so many years was that he spent more time being a father and he has proven that time and time again after his retirement of being very much involved in his children's lives uh, it's it's just heartbreaking and me myself, born in Los Angeles raised in Detroit and then Southern California for my teenage years and I grew up with Magic and Isaiah um, I say grew up, I was born, they were both already in the league, uh, but that's who I grew up with and when they were both done you know, we all look for our next favorite player when our favorite players retire, and there's someone you got to pick out. And I mean, Kobe just did it for me as a 14 year old. He was a rookie for him, his 17 year old, and that was my guy. And I rode, I ride or died with that guy. Uh, got into countless arguments with MJ fans and LeBron fans and T Mac fans and Shaq fans, and you name it. Going back and forth over who's better, who's best, like any of that shit matters. But man, was he great. He was so great on the court. And was he perfect? Hell no, definitely not. None of us are. But I think people who either hated him or didn't care much about him, because they had their own teams, obviously, and not everyone just, you know, jumps on someone's giant bandwagon just as a player. But if you've seen what's going on throughout the world and I literally mean the world you got (laughs) you got the Philippines lit up in purple and gold you got Boston lit up in purple and gold you got sand sculptures in freaking India for this man and his daughter Gianna which is so unbelievably more tragic that a 13 year old's life is snuffed out 
when it's just starting to even semi get going. And she was it. She was it for his legacy. The man had four girls, so you ain't going to have someone stepping up with the name Kobe playing in the NBA afterwards. But you had a Gianna that might have played in the WNBA, which is something that Kobe was very much a proponent of. The By far the most outspoken star backing the WNBA, and it's not even close. And they lose that ambassador now too, which the WNBA absolutely needs because they can't even get their own fan base to watch them. It's NBA fans and watching them, and they got to find a way to get more girls to care. But Gianna cared. She wanted to be the next Mamba. And that's been snuffed out. Obviously, the seven other people, along with Kobe and Gianna, uh, that cannot be forgotten as well. And it's it's just a horrible, unbelievable, shocking tragedy that nobody ever saw coming. And it's like nothing we've ever experienced, guys. We've we've never lost a goat of this magnitude in the world of sports. A hockey player, I can't think of one. A baseball player. I can, the closest one for baseball is Roberto Clemente, and that was before any of our times. Uh, in football, we haven't lost one like that. I mean, you know, Walter, you've had... That's the only closest. Walter's close. I mean, losing Sean Taylor suddenly was horrible, you know? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't this. It wasn't... It wasn't the world mourning. It wasn't people who have never met this man in person like myself I never had that honor uh just breaking I mean I broke guys I bro- when when Don first dropped it and said is this true I didn't believe it and I was in the middle of making a late breakfast for Alicia and I and uh I went about doing what I needed to do and uh made all that food and then sat down and took like two bites and I was like all right I gotta check and I started checking, and I just started seeing the confirmation, and I broke. I this this felt like losing a family member. It felt that close to me. It hurt that much. I'm still not still not right. I'm better today. I was a little better yesterday. Definitely better today than I was yesterday. Sunday I was distraught. I'd be fine for a minute, and then break for another five minutes. And then it's weird because. I'm getting so many phone calls, so many text messages, people checking on me because they know that's my guy. And it's just crushing and it's not fair. We got robbed of so much greatness to come. So many fun moments of next generation players Seeing him and LeBron sitting together on the you know on the sideline giving awards after championships and All Star games. And these are the guys, the guys you see now, the Bill Russells and the Dr. J's and Magic and Michael and Larry once in a while and Isaiah. These guys, these legends of the game that we still get to see grow old and we get to see them appreciated by the younger generation, and we just get to see them, and it matters to be able to see them. <laughs> We've just been absolutely robbed of being able to see one of the greatest and who became towards the end of his career because he was an asshole for 18 of his 20 years and there is no question about it. But his last couple years, the man finally opened up to everybody and you got to see the charismatic side of Kobe Bryant and you got to see the colorful side of Kobe Bryant 
and we already began to see what he was going to do afterwards. The motherfucker won an Oscar. His first year retired. And already wrote a book. Already had another book in the works. There was so much to come that we were going to benefit from. And we have been robbed of all of that. And it's not even a piece of what Vanessa and her family is going through. What Jelly Bean and his family is going through. Because they're robbed of son, dad, brother, father. I'm robbed of my guy. And that's not that high on the on the pecking order. And I'm struggling. So I cannot even imagine. I cannot even imagine what the Bryant family is going through. And it's just... Man, life's not fair sometimes. And this is one of those times where just life is not fair. These legends are not supposed to go like that. They're just not. And we don't see it very often. So when it hits like this hit... It's just unfathomable. Like I don't, I don't know how anyone is actually really supposed to wrap their mind around this. And people die every day, I know, but not all those people have touched as many lives as other people have. And Kobe touched thousands of lives. There's no bigger star in China, not named Yao Ming, and it might even be a battle there uh, with what Kobe did with with bringing the game to China and really being involved and. You know, the Dream Team made all this possible of expanding basketball to where it is now as the second biggest sport in the world besides soccer. But Kobe was a huge part of growing that game. And it continued to be. And doing it with his daughter and coaching her team and being very involved in women's basketball because that's all he's got. He's got girls. He's a girl dad. And he was proud of that fact. But it didn't stop him from combining his two worlds. And Gianna was that bridge. We lost that bridge. We lost that talent. And it's going to hurt for a long, long time. And it's just, it's not fair to the world to lose someone of this magnitude. That was, it's not just being a star. It's what you do with it. And he did a lot with it. And he was doing a lot more with it. And like I said, that man's not perfect. Far from it. Made a horrible mistake a long time ago that people are loving to bring up right now and throw in our faces. But what have you done since? And he did a lot since. And there was so much more to come. Yeah, I mean, as good as as good as good he was on the court, and obviously he's a five-time champion, fourth in scoring now. Like, the, the career that he was setting up for himself beyond basketball and really kind of interwoven um, – into basketball with you know his detail show the books that you mentioned um i'm sure he's still wanted to do more movie and film production and things like that and you know obviously his daughter maybe going to college basketball maybe the WNBA. you obviously try and um can see how all of that would connect for him like there's a really good chance that he would have made a bigger career like outside of basketball and a bigger mark on the world than he just made on the NBA, which is insane to think about because the mark that he made on the NBA was really just enormous. And I think the main thing that could really encapsulate that is when you saw the players, you saw the coaches, the reporters, whoever talking about Kobe Bryant, they were all really, really broken up. 
and you've heard you heard it uh, a lot. Whether it was I, even Jimmy Fallon said it today, but uh, players, I think Stephen A. Smith used the word. But a lot of them looked to him as a real life superhero. They thought he would literally never die. Is like verbatim what some of them were saying. And for this generation of players in the NBA, he was really that um, that icon. You know, that greatest of all time to them. Not a lot of these players really got to see Michael Jordan play, except for when he was on the Wizards, but they didn't see, you know, mid-90s Jordan, uh, peak Michael Jordan. But they grew up their entire uh, really viewing life with Kobe Bryant as that tier one superstar in the NBA. Oh, he was before LeBron. Uh, you know, he's obviously with Shaq, but even kind of as an NBA player, um, right? We talk about, like, guys that the fans can quote-unquote relate to, and m- most people aren't 6'6", but even way fewer people are 7 feet 1, you know, 320 pounds or whatever Shaq was. So if you're looking at Kobe and Shaq and they're always side-by-side, side, at least, you know, when you're growing up and watching it, you can way more relate to Kobe Bryant because when he's standing next to Shaquille O'Neal, he looks way more like you than he would if it was just you and you know Kobe Bryant in a room together. So that relatability uh, and the fact that a lot of them still got to either play with him or against him during the later parts of Kobe of Kobe's years is really why you saw um, the NBA as as a whole and as a community just react the way they did and i mean are still reacting uh you had a guy like Shaq, and they obviously had their differences but i made the the tragic the tragic mistake of clicking on the video today of Shaq talking about kobe and it's it's one of the most heart-wrenching um videos i've seen like you can hear the pain in Shaq's voice you can see it on his face it's is honest to god just kind of all around um, I, I don't I don't like that video, but it's what it, it kind of what goes to show when you're talking about Kobe. And I think one of the biggest things that um, that Matt mentioned was, again, not only was he a champion on the court, he was an ambassador for the game off of it. He was a champion not only for the WNBA, uh, no, knowing that he had obviously four girls. Right. I'm sure he would have liked the boys somewhere in there, but having four girls and trying to be that role model for for them and champion um really up until like up until like the end i think it was probably only two weeks ago not not even that fresh where um or not even that old excuse me where he made some comment about you know there are three WNBA players who could play in the nba right now i think it was deladon maya moore and he might have said tarasi who i don't think definitely said tarasi (laughs) regardless it was you know it was three you know women basketball players that could play in the nba and regardless if he believed it or not or if it's true or not just um as matt said for them to like have that champion and have that ambassador to the game you know, it obviously meant the world to not only the players in the WNBA and the community that the WNBA does have, but, you know, of course, his his four daughters. Um, and he did the same thing with the United States women's soccer team. There's an interview at w- one of their games. Um, I don't know how recently it was played, obviously. But, you know, they had asked him, you know, why are you here? Why are you here supporting them? He's like, no, they're, they're the best in the world. So he was always proud to show that uh, if there was – if there was greatness to be respected, he was going to respect it. And I think it meant more 
uh, to him to be able to champion um, the the women that he viewed as great, knowing that though that his daughters were going to you know look up to him regardless. So even if he, again before he didn't watch the WNBA or he you know wasn't a fan of it or whatever, you know he learned pretty quickly that this is the this is the mark that he's going to make even beyond basketball is the mark that he's making to his daughters, to his family, um, and to kids growing up, uh, kids growing up and just watching him and watching, uh, you know, game tape, but then being able to, you know, make yourself available after, uh, really after your career. And to, to me, one of the reasons that it's hit, that it's hit hardest, like, uh, more than, you know, any other celebrity death is growing up a huge basketball fan i you know i was one of the in the generation where kobe was really the first superstar that we had uh you know it was kobe Shaq, tracy mcgrady and Allen iverson and iverson and kobe were my two guys that i just gravitated towards so being able to see uh their careers but those were you know essentially like the superheroes is the word that um you know I used earlier and a lot that a lot of the NBA players used, but he was really like an, an icon living and he had so much more life to give. Um, you know, obviously it, it didn't go down that way, but I don't think like any of the, um, I don't really think that there's been like any overreaction to, uh, to his death or to the morning that you see. I think everything that we've seen from it, uh, is, you know, it, not only is it deserved, but I think it's I think most of it, too, is just like genuine, which I don't feel like we get a lot with uh, with celebrity deaths. But there's been a lot of mourning. Um, but I think it's a lot of a lot of genuine emotion that people are feeling. I don't know how you can overreact to this. Honestly, uh, Matt had a wonderful open and he really hit the nail on the head when he was talking about we have never seen anything like this certainly in our lifetime but i i will go ahead and make that ever and i don't it's kind of unlikely that we will again because it Hope is a not. freak accident that's the only way that this happens but it, it's a combination and just a multitude of so many things that makes this so much bigger than uh, most tragic events uh, part of it is the age that we live in and Growing up, Kobe played in the NBA for 20 years. He's been retired a few now. But really, when Kobe came into the league is when the information age was starting to take off. And every single year that we, he was in the league, it felt like you got more and more access to athletes and to famous people in general, uh, both on TV and through the radio, but through the rise of the internet and everything that comes with that. And we really are closer to athletes than ever before, and famous people in general, and some of that is not a good thing, uh, but a lot of it is. And for someone like Matt to have, without having befriended Kobe personally, to still be able to feel as close to him as he does is a testament to how many lives you can touch even without personal relationships and really something that uh, the one thing that i love about the life kobe lived more than anything else is you take his life as a whole and there are lessons and there are things that you can take for anyone in all walks because 
it, it was not all sunshine and roses. As Matt said, he was a flawed person. But Colby was someone who had great gift, put in the great work ethic, had a fall from grace, and then a, spent the rest of his life redeeming himself from that. And all along the way from his superstardom at a young age to making it in the NBA at 18 years old and making the mistakes that he did, uh, cheating on his wife, the rape allegations, getting through all that, the birth of the Mamba mentality, the success on and off the court, driven by not just great gifts, but a work ethic unlike pretty much any we've ever seen, at least as close as we were able to watch Kobe because of how we grew up. You, you, you look back over time, it's some comparable examples, and there aren't many, but it's different because we never had that access. We never knew people the way that we knew Kobe. And then for in such a shocking turn of events, just completely out of the blue, uh, to die in a, in a foggy morning on a helicopter crash at the age of 41 with your oldest daughter with you, with a great college basketball coach and his daughter and five other people on that chopper. And it's, it's tragic, of course, but the amount, the sheer amount, in mass at thousands earlier, it's millions upon millions. I, I mean, there's if you took a poll of the entire world, Three billion people know who Kobe Bryant is. You know what I mean? Like, in it's in not just sports fans. I mean, my wife has no interest in any sports at all. No idea at all. She texts me and said, "Oh my God, did you see what happened?" She, she, <laughs> I don't think my wife knows who Tom Brady is. And she was like, "Holy crap, Kobe Bryant just died in a helicopter crash." The effect that he had on people mostly good some bad i know a lot of people they don't i was listening to the radio on the way home today and some people were upset at the coverage because uh it's been of course very positive in tone and anytime somebody passes it's going to be uh, unless you were just some truly despicable person it's going to be no one does a eulogy at a funeral and, and talks about all the terrible things that that person committed. Uh, it, it should be positive, but some people really do want to see people held accountable. And I think Kobe Bryant took that to heart and epitomized what it means to make a mistake and work your way back from it the right way. As, as you can see in the family that he has now, for... By all accounts, he has an exceptional relationship with his family. And I think that's something that a lot of people would take for granted. But forget about all the stuff he did on the court, all of the business ventures in the Oscars and stuff he was doing off the court. One of the most impressive things to me that Kobe ever did was work his way back with his family from what he did. And I know some people say, oh, well, it's a lot easier to forgive someone when they have the kind of money that Kobe does. That's not really how an emotional attachment, a family dynamic works. It's not at all. Anyone that's experienced that, anyone that's seen that, understands that. And for him to earn the trust back of his family, 
of his wife and build the relationships that he had with them to me is one of the most impressive things he ever did on and off the court and there's just so many things whether it was his relationships whether it was his drive whether it was his attacking all avenues there's so many things you could take from him and it's truly terrible that he has gone from us at such a young age but like our good friend Don did using this moment as a teaching moment for his class to hopefully instill some life lessons into the students that he takes care of I think Kobe's impact from this can be even greater because of the way people will remember him. <clears throat> to end, I think it's the uh, most telling that each and every single one of us are talking about three different aspects without repeating each other, uh, each other's sentiments. Matt, obviously, talking about the more personal connection, the more uh, LA uh, interaction, the fan reaction. Uh, Matt uh, talking about the ambassador of the game, and Paul talking about the uh, redemptive individual who, on a macro scale, taught us, you know, Mamba mentality, what have you. And mine is something very different, but I, to anyone who's listened at all is not surprised. The reason Kobe's passing to me was so tragic, uh, at least for my perspective of it, is that Kobe was the reason why I treat sports the way that I do, in that he is the first athlete that I legitimately realized wasn't a complete idiot. That, and I, I say that glibly, but there's a reason, is because it's, it's absolutely true. I've never seen a human being who had ever treated sports as an intellectual pursuit in the way that I legitimately try to. The man is so much smarter than anyone had given him credit for before this. I mean, I would argue one of the most impressive feats of the entirety of his existence was not even what he did in the game. He, know, he spoke five languages. And it's not like he went to college where he was able to get the foundation to learn this. This was just who he was. He knew that the way that he needed to, as Ryan had alluded to, it be an ambassador for the game, as Matt had alluded to, reaching more people. And in its own way, as Paul had stated, to be a redemptive individual for his image, he knew five languages. I mean, AC Milan, it, most of you don't even know what that is. A soccer team, a major one in Italy, that he spoke, he spoke fluently. He got it. He was able to make connections internationally because this dude was this smart. That he was, unlike most athletes, truly extremely intelligent. And the problem was is that his attitude was so abrasive to so many other people because of that very intellectual pursuit. He what he did not suffer fools. If you're on his team, Smush Parker, chief among them, <laughs> if you're on his team and you decide to act like a moron or you don't want to treat the game as the intellectual thing that it is the physical embodiment of an intellectual pursuit that he had no time for you that's also part of the fallout with Shaq Shaq had no interest Shaq did not work out in the offseason Shaq's whole deal was that he wanted to be Shaq he didn't want to improve himself whereas Kobe treated it like a dissertation or like he was going for his doctorate 
That's why he learned more languages to expand the game. That's why he w reached out to so many stories that you hear, so many individuals that he, he taught the game to. In fact, the one video that gets me the most is where he was courtside with his daughter, the one who passed, where he was breaking down in excruciating detail the game as it was happening. A very thing that I do with my father when I go to Michigan State games. I can't just sit there and watch. That's not who I am. That's not what I do. Something that is both good and bad. And, and Dylan, he real quick, did that as well. The best part is that Gianna gets it and says right. to him the exact thing that he is about to say. And it's just, yeah, I love that video. Yeah. It's, it, I appreciate it because it's the embodiment of the reason why I grew to eventually state far before this that he is, in my opinion, the greatest player who ever played. Because he is the smartest athlete I've ever seen. And I will stick to that forever. There is no one who is smarter than he is. And that's all the more reason why, in my opinion, he is the best basketball player ever because he's smart enough to exploit, to see the differences, the changes, psychologically, physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever you want to say. That's what he meant to me, was he was the one who opened my eyes up to, for all intents and purposes, becoming a major douchebag about this and acting like I'm smarter than other people in this category. He is the reason this occurred, because he taught me that sports doesn't have to be for fucking morons. It can be very, very different, and much more than that if you look for it. So that's what that's what Mr. Bean Bryant, number eight and number twenty four, meant to me. You know, it's there's. I mean, we could literally spend multiple shows going over every little aspect of things regarding Kobe because it was a twenty year career with so many different twists and turns throughout it. But I think it's telling. You know, when you when America fell off in two thousand four at the games in the ga place where the games were freaking created. The Olympic Games are in Greece, and we fail spectacularly at our sport. And USA Basketball is saying, we need to get this back. And the first person they look to is Kobe Bryant. You need to come save us. Now, Kobe didn't play in the 04 games. Eagle Colorado happened in 2003. I have a feeling those things are actually tied together. There was a lot of stuff that that Kobe lost because of the rape tra uh, trial and case that happened against him. Uh, sponsorships, obviously, but USA Basketball was a part of that. And USA Basketball suffered because of that, and we failed spectacularly. And in 08, it, it was Kobe they were looking to to be the guy. You had a young LeBron, you had a young D. Wade, you had a young Carmelo Anthony. Uh, but it was Kobe. And they bring Kobe in, and they mess with Kobe. And Kobe sits down, and they say, okay, you know, and Coach K is like, I want you to facilitate. I want you hmm. to pass to everybody and anybody. And Kobe looked him straight in the eye and said, Coach, I will do whatever you want me to do. I just want to be a part of this. And it was important for him to be a part of it. And he was so much more than just a part of it. He spent that time training the future stars on what it meant to be like Kobe and to have that mama mentality. It meant working out when no one else is, when no one's looking. It meant, it meant making, not taking a thousand shots, making a thousand shots, working on their game, working on your game, working on your game. And these guys learned from him 
when it came time for that. And you saw it throughout Kobe's career as his game was winding down. The first thing when he noticed it, he went and reached out to the dream. Akeem Olajuwon said, hey, I'm not blowing past guys anymore. How do I get buckets with footwork? And he learned the dream shake. He learned his footwork for down low and was just as deadly down there as he ever was driving to the hoop. The man, like you said, Dylan, was so unbelievably cerebral in the game of basketball, looking at things and looking looking in ways that no one else was looking to advance his game and make himself what he wanted to be. He wanted to be the best of all time. He wanted to be better than Jordan. That was evident. He never hid from that. He never wanted to be Jordan. He modeled his game after Jordan, who modeled his game after Dr. J, who modeled his game after Elgin Baylor, but he wanted to be better than the best. He wanted to be at the top of that hill, and he put in the work to do it, which is admirable and something that we should all do, and I know that not all of us do. I know I don't do nearly enough uh, to be working as hard as Kobe Bryant, even a tenth of that. But he brought that all the time, and Dylan, you you, you nailed it with talking about his intelligence because he was always looking for what's next. And you saw it with the younger players after Giannis. You did what Giannis did, and he reached out. Kobe said, okay, now go win MVP. Don't be satisfied. Keep pushing. What's next? Kobe was always what's next. After he won MVP, he told him to win the championship. That's the last thing he told you. Yeah, last last season. So, yeah. do might be predicting the future too. What's your what's your I favorite do. what's your favorite Kobe moment? Oh man. Uh. My favorite Kobe moment. It's hard because there's so many, and most of them are famous. You know, there's there's so many the little the, the fun ones. You know, with uh, you know not flinching <laughs> to the alley oop to Shaq <laughs> against Portland. Um, you know, standing on top of the table after finally dethroning the Celtics for his fifth and final title. Um, for me, it was it was dragging that bum ass team against the Suns. <laughs> that always stands out. That horrible team that he dragged, kicking and screaming to the fi- to the finals, to the playoffs, and has the number two, I believe. I think they were the seven, and the Suns were the two seed. Number two seeded Suns in one of the great many Suns years that just ended before they should have, and dragging that team to a to a three games to one, yeah, three one or three two lead. And yeah, within a wisp of going to the next next level before everything just fell apart. And it followed Wait, up with it, my least favorite moment for Kobe, where Kobe said, well, fuck you guys, in Game 7, when they let Game 7 happen, because all they had to do was guard the three-point line, and they didn't. And I think it was Kurt Thomas, one of the Thomases, hit a three uh, to, to send that game to overtime and the Suns win it. And he took, like, seven shots in Game 7. But that was Kobe. Kobe was, you know, he would, he would prove points in different ways. But him dragging that bum-ass team... And taking a three-one lead on the Suns <laughs> was amazing to watch. Uh, Paul Dylan, what about you? I I, I don't want to do my favorite because I I'm nothing if not honest. But my favorite is not flattering to Kobe because my favorite Kobe was the '04 Finals because I'm selfish. <laughs> so God. I'm gonna be I'm that's I'm being it's real. That's my favorite. That's my favorite Kobe's the 04 finals. I loved every part of it. It's nothing against Kobe, but as a Pistons fan, I loved every part of the way we went in there and the way that that fell apart on the Lakers and that we just bombed them. Um, I, I mean, that's, that's all time Pete Kobe for me. Um, 
I, I, it's hard to top that. I'm a Pistons fan. I'm not a Kobe fan. I loved Kobe. I respected what he did, but yeah. So let's see here. So uh, Matt you, or uh, or Ryan, uh, one of y'all is going to need to refresh me. What was the Raja Bell year? Uh, that was those Suns years. Like yeah, 04, uh, like right, five, well, right, 06, but which 07. one? Yeah, but what was the one in the series where Raja Bell decided to try to trash him and then Kobe just lit his ass on fire? That might have been the it, it might have been that that year that I was saying. Where, okay, you know, where, very well maybe because if that's whichever that was mine. Because even when I was like I was a kid when this happened, I'm like, what, dude, what are you doing? I, I, like as, as you had alluded to, it was an all like a not a very good team around him. But then Raja Bell's like, you know what? I'm gonna try to help him out anyway. I was like, dude, you're about to get your ass torched. And the other one is the Smush Parker one. That one, that, that, that gets me. I love that. I think it's hilarious. It looks like Raja clotheslined him in the 2006 mm-hmm. playoffs. Yeah, that was it. That was the move. And then the, immediately after that happened, my first thought was, you just messed up, AA Ron. What are you doing? <laughs> one of mine that will always is... stand out is Epitome Kobe with the free throws after the Achilles tear. Yeah, that's mine. And then walking back to the locker room mm-hmm. on the same Achilles and making both free throws. I will say for a positive Kobe moment, that is also my number one. And that was one of the things is that he didn't break. He never broke. He had injury after injury after injury. His right hand's all fucked up. Okay, I'm going to shoot left-handed. I'm not missing a game. I'm not missing a minute. I'm playing, and that's that. And... We were so used to it as Kobe fans. Kobe's hurt. Ah, he'll be fine. It's Kobe. Like that was we'd always laugh. Like, oh shit, his knee. Nah, he'll be fine. It's Kobe. And it was always he was fine. It's Kobe until the Achilles. And that was when that was when Father Time started to catch up with Kobe, and it sucked. I mean, absolutely sucked because the this... man was still balling. He was still at the top fighting with LeBron for best player in the game. The man had 34 points when the Achilles tear happened in that game against Golden State. He had not fallen off because of all the things that he did to prepare for older age. And then the Achilles happened, and then the knee after that the following year because he rushed back so damn fast because he's fucking Kobe. Nothing is worse for an explosive athlete that relies on their athleticism than the Achilles. I mean, nothing. You just... Most don't recover. No. It ended Isaiah's career. Uh, the amount of careers it's ended, and not even so, uh, Isaiah was a while ago. Modern medicine has changed a lot. It has not changed that at all. I, I mean, it's so many. Reggie Jackson, same for us. I mean, <laughs> I, listen, I, it's true. It is absolutely true. Why are you laughing? I know you agree with this 100%. Because <laughs> you just put Kobe Bryant and no, Reggie no, Jackson no. in the same no, sentence. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit the comparison. But we had a good thing going for a hot minute. Reggie blew his Achilles. He has never been the same. He absolutely never recovered from it. And we're talking recently, within the past few years, modern medicine, it doesn't matter. There is not a more devastating career-wise injury. God damn. Yeah, that ge- the game after Raja Bell clotheslined him, that was game five and game six. Kobe had 50 points. Mm-hmm. Whoa. <laughs> Which, and they still cool. lost because the team was so fucking Well, bad. yeah, so yeah. Bad. That's... Yeah, they were atrocious. Like, Smush Parker played 41 minutes in that game and had two points. Oh, my God. That's that's what led towards Kobe saying, find me someone or trade me. (laughs) 
but I'm not oh, going to keep sticking with this. Oh, yeah, dude. This team. It's almost a piston, too. Bottom. Yeah. That'd have been Kwame Bur- what, what a world starting, that would have been. The starting five was Kobe, Lamar Odom, Smush Parker, Kwame Brown, and Luke Walton. The yeah, bench Papa was Luke. the the bench was Devion George, uh, Sasha Vujacic, Brian Cook, and Ronnie Turia. Brian Cook. Oh my God! Uh, Ryan, I got one for you. Which is more oh, impressive, eighty one or sixty Swan Song? Eighty one. Yeah, Don't think about 81, it. Eighty one is I mean, Pete the... Kobe. Sixty Swan Song is your final. F- game in the NBA. Yeah, but then but then you got Gordon Hayward having to try to defend and say, oh, yeah, we do, we didn't give him anything easy. Okay, sure. I, I don't right. – the 61 is – or the 60. They didn't. I think the Jazz were trying to win that game, and Kobe took that, over. That's a complete – that's a complete non-whatever to me. I mean, that doesn't – that's not on the top 10 Kobe moments. I mean, it, yeah, sure, it was cool he went out with 60, but we all know he had some pitches grooved to him that game. It was impressive to me about that Suns game you guys were talking about is – Kobe did that on 35 shots, but he only took six free throws. It's not like he dropped 50 on 35, but it's not. They weren't at the line. Like today, you see James Harden drop a 50-point game on 30 shots, but 20 of them are at the line. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not. It was so much more impressive the way he did that. And, of course, he lost, and Steve Nash went off that game, and the Suns just had a much better team. But... The 81 game is so much better because he was also crazy efficient. Oh, yeah. Crazy efficient. 28-46? 7 of 13 from 3. 18 of 20 from the free throw line. That's over 50% in all three categories. To be fair, I think it goes without saying. It's impossible to score 80 points without being hyper-efficient, right? And I don't think that, like, that's the thing is I also have my questions about the 100-point game. I think this is the single best game performance we've ever seen. Well, the 100-point game. because you didn't see I, that. I know Matt game. hates this, but the 100-point game came in a very different time against very different kind of people. Oh, yeah. absolutely. That's all the more reason why I think this is substantially more impressive. You know, hey. although... To be fair, this is the same 06 team, so I'd, I'm not surprised he had to score 81. And by the way, it's not not lost in this. Even though he scored 81, they only won by, what, 18 points? No, yeah, because they were down double digits. That's why he had to go off and drop 55 in the second half. Because the 26 that he put up in the first half wasn't enough to keep his bunk-ass team close. 55 points in one half. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Like, you'd think... He probably scored like twenty every quarter. So you know. <laughs> scored fifty five. Fifty five and, and this half. was one Plus, month one month after single handedly leading the Mavericks after three quarters, sixty two to sixty one. What and please Phil refresh my memory they were destroying Because it's just, it's a little off topic, but it, it kinda relates back. Clay Thompson, he had that huge quarter. How many did he score? Like twenty seven, thirty points? Yeah, it was like, no it was, yeah, it was twenty seven. Twenty seven. Think about that. Yeah. Oh, was it was 37. it thirty-seven? Yeah, thirty-seven in right. quarter. Thirty-seven. Okay, no, that's, that's still ridiculous. <laughs> it's no, it's ridiculous. I was thinking. Well, I was thinking because like, I thought it was twenty-seven. I really did think it was twenty-seven, and I was putting in perspective like we were like, yeah. "Holy crap, Clay!" Mm. And that's Kobe dropped fifty-five and a half, but thirty-seven. You know what does make me feel better about this game? Noted Michigan State alum Morris Peterson's plus minus was only minus seven, so he, he clearly didn't beat. get his ass torched there. No, it was when, was that smart. was when Mo Pete was still decent. Oh, God. <laughs> First four yeah. years of his career. 
He would nah, he was really good in New Orleans though. Like Toronto Mopi was not prime. Do you remember that crazy buzzer beater Mopi hit? Yeah. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh where, yeah. Where like the the other player threw it up uh to like let the clock run down and it didn't run down and he caught it and then just flinged it. Mm-hmm. It's just beautiful. <laughs> Mike James had twenty six points. That's crazy. Alright, but look, anyways. Uh <laughs> I, there's only one last thing I had to say, which I do disagree with Paul on. I do think people are taking this a tad too far in the sense that there, I'm hearing from people. I already alluded to Burn this. Them at the stake. I'm here. I'm hearing people that like, like at the Grammys on Sunday, dude, I don't need to hear from you. You never had a relationship with Kobe. You never were influenced by him. I don't need you to lie. I, like Alicia just, Keys thing at the beginning. The that's fine. That, well, okay, but that's that's that is an overreaction. I think it's very disrespectful. All these NBA people doing this, that's fine. But then we have Bill Belichick talking about it. But man, the I, only I, like, thing that I think was over spheres. the top and fake and reactionary was Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was really bad. Oh man, that was bad. They really like, looked right. up to him for what he did on the field. Yeah, he was so great on the field. In NBA circles, I'm, I'm with <laughs> How do you say that? Well, he doesn't know. I mean, he has no idea who he is. and He's losing of, the race to Bernie. Instead of just being like, instead of just being like, listen, guys, uh, condolences. I, I don't watch basketball, dude, or know who the hell this guy is. No, he had to try to appeal to his audience and play up to it, and it was a disaster. But eh, it happens, I guess. Now, Dylan, I will say, though, in defense for some of them, and I don't, you know, I'm sure there were plenty out there that, you know, never knew him, and I, we didn't know him, but, you know, I've been over here looking freaking destroyed. Right, but that's my the, cousin. you've always but, been on that, though. <laughs> right, These but people this is Los not. Angeles. These circles touch all the time. Music circles, sports circles, movie circles, TV circles. Yeah, but Kobe made it a point they, to not do yeah, so. Yeah, remember he mm. had dinner with uh, deceased Heath Ledger. Yes, right. <laughs> so he is, he is involved <laughs> no, in but, Hollywood. But that's the thing is that Kobe would reach out to other greats of their industry to pick their brain, including in the music world. Including Heath Ledger, who is passed away. <laughs> well, now they can hang out. We, at least we learned that that was not a complete fabrication. <laughs> it was just a stretch. <laughs> I, it's, uh, I, and one thing I will say for them is this story is so tragic. Hard. And he touched so many people that... Even without knowing necessarily a lot about Kobe Bryant himself, even if you're one of the people under a rock who didn't, even if he never touched your life, you get emotional seeing all the people's lives he did touch Mm -hmm. and how and the circumstances and the fact that his daughter was there with him and also passed away. Even if you don't really knew or followed him or care all that much, it still can evoke emotion just based on the story itself so and that's another thing i mean i hate to defend the elites but oh my i thought we'd be on the same like it's not a side to take honestly but honestly most of the time yeah probably but this one i mean it transcends and in fairness that's the kind of thing that we bit that i i think we both have agreed because we both have usually been on the side of like whenever somebody passes, it's like it's unfortunate, but you know, celebrity, celebrity, we all know him, whatever. This this is the first one I can ever say that I'm like, all right, I kind of get it. But I again, still in the hemisphere of basketball, 
every basketball person's firing off and sounding off and all of that. Totally get it. Everybody doing the 8 second, the 24 second, whatever. Totally get it. People at the Grammys. I do not fucking care. Shut up. <laughs> I don't care. It would be the same thing as if basketball fans. Staples Center. <laughs> no, but then you say then you're no, but then you're having people like Blake, Shelton, and Gwen Stefani, these white bread ass people who probably have never watched who, basketball who before. Have seen pictures of courtside at Staples that, Center. That might be oh, the most racist thing that has ever been said on this podcast. No, man, I I don't want to hear from people who aren't in, in the sphere of how this dude influenced them. I would put like, money that Blake care. has met Kobe Bryant in person. Fantastic. So because you shake somebody's hand, now all of a sudden you get to sound off on it. I mean, you Come don't on. know how big of a you don't know how big of a basketball fan he was or wasn't. He sings country music. He must hate black people in their sports. Right. I mean, you do. I just, I just realized I don't this. Like country one, music. <laughs> there is one name we have not heard from yet. I like old on this. He's off Phil, in the mountains. Oh. He doesn't even know the news yet. Phil Jackson. I'm pretty sure that Phil is out doing some sort of like meditative walk or something. So. He's like in the middle of like a one week peyote trip. Like he'll we'll hear from You're him next week. You're darn right. Then he's I, he's lost I in would, the desert. Since you brought it up, I, I would like to ask you. Oh Matt. no. So seeing all of, seeing all of the support, seeing all of the people Never come mind. out with their statements, whether they are genuine or not, is there a need to hear from everybody? Like does Phil Jackson? No. Listen, we we know. <laughs> Or we can assume, not that it's any of our business, but we can assume, and really it's not our business, but we can assume how this makes Phil Jackson feel, right? That he doesn't feel great about that. Do we really need him to tell us how much Kobe meant something. I'm just saying, even if he didn't, do we really need him to come out and tell us how torn up he is about it? Right, the only people, honestly, that I like legitimately wanted to hear from was Jordan... LeBron and Shaq. That's really the only people that I was like seeking so all their you, reactions. You cared about his contemporaries. So I care about the individuals who would legitimately give me an insightful reaction that was beyond what I already was receiving from you. That I cared more about your take from the, if you will, common I, individual. I guess my thing. I wanted to hear from the peers in a reverential, or in Shaq's case, as Ryan said. Utterly devastating sort of way. So sad. My thing is, I feel like we live in a current culture, and whether it's good or bad... Where everybody where, with an asshole has an opinion. Well, it's not just that they have an opinion, because they might not. It's that people feel compelled, like they are expected to have an opinion, and expected right, to react, sure. and expected no, to share their feelings on social media, like they are obligated to do so. Why do I need to hear Bill Belichick t- sound off about and, it? And it's you know? fine, but A, we don't have to ask everybody, sure like, them. hey, well, I, but that's why. Why are we asking Bill Belichick? If Bill Belichick that's wants to say exactly something, if Bill Belichick wants to say something, he can. But there's no reason for us to ask every famous person we know who might know who Kobe Bryant is what they feel. I mean, what? It, especially, you know, maybe someone's really torn up about it and they don't want to talk about it. You know, they want to grieve in their own way. 
why do why does why do we have to compel everybody? I'll do you one better. You need to react, and I know it's almost ironic because we're sitting here on our podcast talking about this for an hour. Yeah, but it's for Matt's purpose. It, like we're doing this because of Matt. Well, I'm just saying I, there will be people that like, sit for, and listen for, to for this a reason. and be like, "Wow, it's high and mighty coming from people who just spent an hour of my time talking about Kobe Bryant." But, I'll be honest, I probably would not have if Matt wasn't a part of this, though. I'm doing this out of a respect for the fact that like this is very much affected Matt but it, I'll do you one better with what you were saying about like do we need to hear from people my kind of drawback to this too is like all these people at the Grammys talking about Kobe when they've never met the dude before or whatever all these spheres that had nothing to do with Kobe also very much detracts from the individuals the other seven people who passed right. very that. much that is still here and nobody will talk about it because there's all these randos like that are getting as in in bill belichick's defense are being asked this question i'd rather why are we not talking about these other people who passed who are suffering all the same in principle i agree with you but and any in anything like this they're gonna be when you have someone like kobe involved they're gonna be overshadowed and it's natural because it's not that their deaths are less tragic or less important. People didn't know them. I, you, you take a perfect example. I can't name him right now, despite actually reading a lot about him this weekend. The baseball guy, right? The baseball and basketball uh, coach Altabelli. that passed on that plane that touched many, many lives and was involved in similar to a Kobe level, but on a much lesser scale because with younger players that people don't know. But... Someone like that passes, who is by all accounts a great man, and people don't know because he wasn't in the public light the way Kobe was. So you, I get that it, it's going to overshadow them because it's hard to feel the same compassion for someone that you didn't know existed. Right, no, I, I agree. And that's the, not the answer... anybody's fault. That's just a natural thing. But we really don't need to hear from... In, I thought where you were going to go with it, and one thing I would say it detracts from... Hearing from literally every single person that exists about Kobe kind of detracts yeah, from the relevant kind of people that are grieving this. Not that... That's kind of what I was getting at. Like, the people directly affected by this. So, first of all, I think we grieving as a community is helpful. And so watching i mean look you know ryan you say the shack one and yeah it's gut-wrenching but the first one that was really gut-wrenching was doc rivers when they interviewed doc before his game and you can see how torn up he is you know and doc's known kobe since when kobe came into the league maybe even beforehand and you know never coached him never played with him coached against him plenty of times um but he was I mean, he was broken. And, you know, you hear it when he's talking about he's got to go tell his team to get ready to play a game and he can barely get the sentence out. Um, So do I need to hear from Doc? No, I would rather hear from Phil, who worked with Kobe and knew Kobe intimately in that time period of working together for so many years with the Lakers. Uh, You know, I definitely wanted to hear from Shaq. Uh, I wanted to hear from Magic. I wanted to hear from MJ. I wanted to hear from T-Mac. Because these were guys that were either his contemporaries or were people that he was really really closest to and then the LeBron one and the crazy thing with the LeBron one is you know LeBron didn't say anything for a long time he held it you know he 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 felt the magnitude of it and wanted to make sure he's you know he took it all in as best he could before releasing 
any kind of statement. And people were waiting for that and looking for that. And this was a guy that, you know, the Kobe Marks hated, you know, for the longest time. And, you know, a lot of turned around because, yes, and some still changed. Despite Kobe's pleading, trying to get Laker fans to get behind LeBron because he is a Laker and this is his time. And Kobe had his time. And Kobe's time is done. Kobe's done everything possible to bridge that gap between his Kobe stands and LeBron James. Um, And so there were certain people, obviously, that I really wanted to hear from. But I do think grieving as a community is helpful. And when you see the reporters that were close to Kobe in the sense of working with him all the time, um, you see the people like Jackie McMullen and you see the ESPN talking heads that have spent countless times talking with Kobe and had their own ups and downs. The entire conference room of Get Up. Jackie's article was awesome. Um, I mean, a lot of articles were awesome, and there's a lot out there for people that you don't know of that, you know, were smaller time or L.A. local writers or whatever um, that, you know, had special communication with Kobe over different times and brought a different side out to him. You know, you, you heard the one, um, I forget the girl's name for ESPN that recently told it about Kobe being a girl dad and loving being a girl dad, and he didn't want boys. Vanessa was the one who wanted to try for a fourth kid for a boy. Kobe wanted a girl. I didn't know that before. Had no idea. Mamba you know, mentality. If you you, you see the interview with T Mac where he said, you know, they Kobe wanted to die young. He told T Mac this when they were both young that he wanted to have that kind of legend status and die young. I guarantee you, Father Kobe had no part of that. Did not <laughs> want to die, die young. at forty one. Definitely did, did not. Um, but you, you, so the grieving side of it, I think, is good for everyone as a community that is involved in that community and does care about Kobe. And then the stories that you get to hear that you didn't know before that make you laugh, make you smile, maybe hurt a little bit, but it's getting more insight into someone that you love as much as we loved him. I bet we're not going to agree on this at all, but I, I am many things, if not consistent Dallas retiring the number 24 is as stupid to me as Miami retiring Jordan's Jersey. Come on. I think it's. You're a I, I think it's really reactionary. No. I don't think. I do too. I don't think, I think it's anything stupid. like that should ever be done in the heat of the moment. Um, right. Like, I, like I just think he's gonna. I think legitimately, Cuban is gonna look back on it, regret it, but he can't. You can't walk, walk on it back. Because look at you can't, it, yeah, no exactly. point I don't know why he'd regret it. it right. is, why would he regret it? Because it's unnecessary. Because and it's it un- might be, it's but why would that make him regretful of it? It's also not his place. It's not. That's it, that's it, more. It is. It's his team. No, it's the league's place. Superstar can't wear number twenty-four. To me, and it is the league's place. And maybe Mark Cuban's trying to push the league to do this. And he's why don't? Tone. Why not just talk to Silver about it then? That should have come from the league lead and not example. him. So this is this exactly. is what I hate, and this is one one thing that I really respected about LeBron. Not coming out with this big long statement you right want away. To take a second. Not just not just taking a breather, which is a huge part of it. Everyone should take a breather. You don't make rash decisions in a very emotional state. It's just not something you do. And one thing that was important to me about LeBron not coming out is anything LeBron did, it would start to be about him because he's such a big figure and he is not replacing Kobe in the Lakers, but he plays for the Lakers. He literally just passed Kobe on the all-time scoring list. Crazy timing on that the night before. And, and Kobe's last tweet is about LeBron and to for, LeBron. Right? So for him to come out and then people are going to start talking a little about LeBron, and, and you don't want to detract from the moment. And I feel like that's the same thing that this does is it, it starts to make it something that it's not. And it starts to make it 
bigger than the game, bigger than Kobe. Let's not make it something it's not, and let's not go over the top. What Dylan said things how they get over the top with this. The league just deciding now no one's going to wear 24 because one of their greatest players happened to die really young. That is where it starts to get over the top, and it starts to take away to me, take away from Kobe's legacy because it starts to make it about other things. It starts to make it about the league and about all that kind of stuff where this is so should be so much more humanistic than that to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Here, I, here. I, I understand all of it, and I would not be surprised if... I don't know if they're changing the logo. Um, this... But let's not talk about this. The I want number this retirement, to be a nice I, I don't under cast. I do not want to get in a fight about the logo. I just don't think it takes away from Kobe. I, I don't. I think it keeps us. I think that everyone is doing what they can to honor him in any way they think they can. But that's um, so. That's that's key right there. What you what just happened. said. People just feel obligated. Like, oh, what can I do to show how much I cared about Kobe? And it becomes. I don't know if it's an obligation. The, if it's a want. But it's it, they feel obligated. Like, like if the league were to retire his number, it's because they felt obligated because of what happened. They were never going to retire his number league-wide. They were pushed into that point. And, and I think that detracts from it. I, I think it's not genuine at that point. Now Ken Bazemore wouldn't be able to wear 24. <laughs> what a world we would live in. <laughs> Yeah, on to happier times. It is Super Bowl week. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it. It de- definitely doesn't feel no. like it. It is Super Bowl week. We have to do our due diligence with the game that we've all been waiting all season for. We've got the Kansas City Chiefs one step shy last year. One early move by a defensive player shy last year. Uh, of Getting to the Super Bowl for Andy Reid's second time. First since with the Philadelphia Eagles. And the team that shocked the hell out of everybody this year. <laughs> Ryan's San Francisco Fraudy Niners. <laughs> Maybe not so fraudy. <laughs> Man, who uh, could have told him that? Well, I mean, look, huh. you know, they, they didn't have the most difficult path to get to the Super Bowl That's this year. <laughs> the NFC as good as it was this year, had some things happen along the way. Seattle kind of broke. The Saints fucking blew it. Uh, you know, so San Francisco didn't have the hardest of paths to get here, and they are definitely facing their toughest test of the postseason. You're talking about by far. A, a, what I, what, how many, 13 win team? Oh yeah, yeah. A 13 win team. A 13 win team in, I know. in the best division in the NFL. Yes. Mm. Maybe there's one other great team that they split with. Beat one of the most year, balanced teams, and we're very happy to not see of, them the in the, the NFC Championship game. They did not want to see Seattle. Beat one of the most balanced. They would have boat raced Seattle. I appreciate like how revisionist been. Paul is being when he trashed Green Bay as much as I did. This Hold time. on, I didn't even talk to Green Bay yet. Will you relax? I didn't even get yeah, to Green Bay. Man, I, 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 everything's melding. Paul, you think they had a difficult task to get to the Super Bowl? I do not. No. I think any time you get to the Super Bowl, it's not exactly easy. But <laughs> I didn't won, say it was easy. I didn't say it was easy. They won I'm saying they didn't have the most difficult task. Oh, they the deserve to be here. Football to earn their home field. Then 
They beat the crap out of an extremely balanced Minnesota team who had just yeah. went on the Get road him. to beat the shit out of Drew Brees' team. And listen, yeah, you're right. I was 100% down on Green Bay's chances, but they still beat the mighty Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers that half the people in the world had in the Super Bowl. It, they had home field uh, advantage. Like our own number, Ryan Griffin. And, and were the top seed. I, they're supposed to have the easiest path. They earned it all season, but you really think someone else in the NFC was going to beat them? I mean, come on, man. I mean, what about the path that Kansas City had? You're telling me Bang. Kansas City's path was harder? Ooh. Yes. No, it's, it uh, was not at all. They didn't have to play Baltimore. It was their own fault, but yes. They, they didn't have to play Baltimore. They got to beat up on... Who did Kansas... I don't even remember who Kansas City played in the first round. Houston the Titans. Tennessee. Houston. They got to play <laughs> the trash can Houston. Somehow... They, listen, tra- you Houston mean the is so bad. the newly hired GM Houston is of the so Houston bad. Texans. Then Mahomes was like, this is going to be boring. Let's spot them 24. And still beat them by 20 points. I'm pretty sure he wasn't And still the beat them. Well, they they weren't that. scoring. He was part of and it. They spotted Tennessee, what, 10? Yeah, they were down by a that's, crap that, That's the thing. The biggest I, Again, I said of their own was volition. Tennessee. And I love Tennessee, and I liked what they did this year. But if that's your biggest obstacle to the Super Bowl, let's not lambaste the other team. I think that Tennessee, I'm just saying they didn't all, have the hardest time. I, there. Out of all four of the teams that both teams faced, I think Tennessee was clearly the hardest challenge. I think Minnesota was, to be honest. But I, that's yeah, and look that's how debatable. that went. San Fran just railroaded. Kind of like they're about to the Super Bowl spoiler. And also, that wasn't 1 p.m. Kirk, so how can you say it was harder? <laughs> it was 1 p.m. Kirk. What are you talking it, about? It was 1 30 in California. It was 1 30 in California. Yeah, yeah, not in Minnesota. My man needs a 1 p.m. kick. All right, well, it's the GOAT Super Bowl. Joe Montana has both his teams playing in it. You're right, because he did so much in Kansas City. (laughs) Hey, yeah, he had a a nice run. Wait, hold on. He actually did do a little something in Kansas City. He he, he He made the playoffs. He went to the Super Bowl in Kansas City. No, he did not go to the Super Bowl. He went to the, sorry, AFC Championship. AFC Championship. AFC Championship. Did go to the AFC Championship. I believe. Uh, Kansas City has not been back to the Super Bowl since the very beginnings of the Super Bowl years. I believe he was the only starting quarterback to make both an AFC and NFC Championship, right? Um, That seems unlikely. Does it? I think so. Hmm. Well, I don't know. We'll see where Tom Brady goes next year. Okay. <laughs> hey. Let's stop. Don't do nah, this. L.A. is still in the AFC. That's uh, true. I'm telling you, Paul's being so ardent about Vegas. this, but he's looking so much more I'm wrong as the days go along. I'm very along. confident. How? Like, okay, it's fine if you're like, eh, you know what, I'm, I still think so, but to be confident, because to it's, me it looks is much more worse. likely that he retires over playing for another team. If listen, but again, he could still unretire though. So the thing is, and not to make this a quick Brady discussion, but the only way he was going to leave is if the Pats wanted him to leave. The Pats wanted him back. Is it really Super Bowl week if we don't talk about Tom Brady? It just feels wrong. Even if if he's not here, (laughs) no, the Pats want him back. So there's no point. What's he going to leave for? The Chargers that have the Chargers that have a worse offensive line, and he has no continuity with, and has to start all over with that team. Are you out of your mind? He's going to leave his bread and butter for that. Stop it. He's going to leave for Los Angeles. Well, if you're bread and butter, bread and butter get moldy. I just said the Chargers. Are you talking about (laughs) a different Los Angeles team? Yeah, go back to the grocery store. Oh God. All right. (laughs) So no way. The Rams would be interesting if the Rams were like 
We're yes, it would. They're like, you wouldn't. know what? Screw you, Goff. You you suck. Right. We paid you. <laughs> we how paid much you all money. this. Enjoy he your can life. Sit the bench and learn from Brady for a year. They'll win a Super Bowl. Brady He's can ride like off 27. into the sunset. It's fine. He needs to He's learn. Gonna... Have you watched him play the game of football? Oh no, I'm aware, but you want him to learn like Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> but anyway, no, I, I actually I'm still confident about it. I don't care about the reports that get drummed up. Uh, but on the teams that actually matter, speaking of Tom Brady, somebody did learn from Tom Brady that's actually playing in this game. Yes. How to hand off oh, a football to a running back. Defensive line? <laughs> what? what is this? No, this is a different direction. Yeah, yeah we, 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 we both attacked in great ways. Sorry, Dylan. I didn't mean to jump on you there. <laughs> but Jimmy like a, Garoppolo. Like a sack where one goes high, one goes low. Yep. <laughs> Garoppolo in his third That's Super Bowl. That's an illegal chop block. That is bullshit. I'm calling 15-yard personal foul. First as a starter, wow. was there with Brady for the win against both Seattle and Atlanta. Um, so we'll see what he learned about being able to come out cool, calm, and collected in the Super Bowl. Uh, well, he said though, what he learned about that, actually. He, even he, though you look at the play, Tom Brady did not come out cool, thing. calm, and collected. No, he... Uh, Jimmy G was talking just, I think today, maybe it was yesterday. I don't know, the Kobe timeline's got me all messed up. But uh, he came out and he said the, the biggest thing that he took away outside of how to play the position from Tom Brady is, you know, everybody says you got to treat the Super Bowl like any other game. But truly, watching Tom Brady prep for the Super Bowl and how level-headed he was, as cliche as it sounds, and how he truly Steady prepared Freddy. for it like every other game, and there was no... No too far down, no too high up on emotions, but just the preparation in the film study, just like they do for every single other team and the dedication to, we need to beat this team this week. And Jimmy G said out of everything he learned that, that watching him how to do, because it's one thing everyone can tell you how to do it, but when you're in that moment and you're like, holy crap, I'm going to play in the Super Bowl, you know, it's a lot easier said than done, but him watching it not once but twice with Brady and going through that, he said he thinks has helped prepare him for this moment more than anything else he's done. So if he has two rings already, he can just retire. <laughs> Chill. He's, he's already on things. Eli level. <laughs> yes. Oh, Hall of Fame. Yes. Ryan, I got a story that is just, just screams your name. I want your reaction to this. Frank Clark, who got who obviously he was moved, he basically took over for D Ford in Kansas City, who famously uh, had the offsides call during the press during the press today. Clark said, "I don't know, I don't know nothing about him." Talking about D Ford, who's now on the 49ers. I couldn't name a stat. I don't know the school he went to. I just know he had lined up offside, and anybody who lined up offside at a time like that. I feel like that's a dumb penalty at the end of the day. I'm sure he feels the same way personally. I've lined up offside before, but not in that type of situation. In any situation, that's just something that shouldn't happen. And he's and, and right now there's like Frank Clark's talking mad mess to D Ford about it. What do you think? Well, I mean talking shit last week to Derek Henry work <laughs> what, two weeks ago? Yeah. Frank Clark needs a little so if, if, if it ain't bottle. if it ain't broke, don't fix it. When when two D linemen are talking shit to each other, it's like okay, well that's not exactly bulletin board material. Because how a, much can they really lining do? off offsides? <laughs> Listen, it's not like Kansas so City has been any great. better this year with the offsides. Okay, that's true. I mean, ever, how many key moments even in the playoffs are they just like derp? 
Like, <laughs> it's honestly nothing to me is being a coach. Like three times. Nothing can be more infuriating. Watching that game. Watch the fucking ball, dude. It's not hard. It is so not hard to just look at the ball, and when that ball is snapped, you go, like, dude, stop. Please, God. Hey. You, well, consider- D4 didn't jump early. He was just lined up. Wrong. He was literally. That's true. He he didn't even jump. He was just an idiot. <laughs> he was just there. <laughs> no, I I like the beef though. I and to be fair, I think that beef. like Frank Clark's comments are indicative of what Paul and I were discussing before the show about just how much better Kansas City's defense is, just by like actual metrics. Like, how good they legitimately are this year. How much improved Steve Spagnuolo, who is infamous for shutting down the New England team of 2007. I Like, it's major that he is there, and I think that's a huge thing for Kansas City in this game. I mean, it's probably something that uh, Clark heard in the locker room, too, all year. Like, bro, if you do what D4 did, no, no, whoop your ass. (laughs) So we got... We got one team that predicates their whole season on great defense when they're all healthy, and they are all healthy again in San Francisco, and a run game unlike any other in the league. You have got pick your poison for running back. Um, That's right, because none of them are good enough to be. Hold on, on. can we stop with the? (laughs) Can we stop with the Mozart blasphemy? You can't even pronounce his name right. Mozart, man, that's a joke. But it's not a legal. No, no, but Mostert really took over here towards the end of the year, like Dylan, he did last year, or the year before when he get before he got immediately hurt. Immediately to the Dylan curse, just in full swing. Immediately to start the game, Dylan is blasting this man's entire existence, like he doesn't belong <laughs> because in the NFL he is a system all. guy. I can't even like the person who always talks about how worthless the running back position is, and you want to sit there and now tout this dude up. Stop. You cannot Stop. say that a system guy just did things in the playoffs. No one's ever done. I mean, he scored a million touchdowns on a million yards a touch. This in throughout the entire, he just never slowed down. He's just ten yards, fifteen yards, twelve yards, touchdown. Like just every man. It's almost like Green Bay's defense is much more trash than people were giving them credit. For. Well, is, is Kansas City's going to fall into that same problem? No, because they've I been just trash. Alluded to that. I know that they had a nice stretch at the end of the year. The I mean, last, you know, half Green, of the season. Green Bay had really a top nice. ten defense. Like, but can we Green Bay had a good defense throughout the year. They had a top 10 defense. Like, they were bad. Can we relax on that? Really not when it mattered. 15th no, but they by gave DVOA, 10th by points chunks. per drive. Like, they were pretty Look, darn good uh, defense. Hey, I'm just saying, Kansas City had given up 34 straight points in the two games they played. That defense was absolutely part of the reason that they came back. They play much better, especially when things are rolling. Because the minute that that offense starts getting on, the pass rush is a pass rush is a lot better. I already name dropped the defensive coordinator Spagnuolo. He's fantastic. Like I don't think that's a small thing that he is there. That's a major thing in this game for Kansas City defensively. I mean, so it it does matter. And to prop up Dylan's talk about Casey's defense being much better than people expect, uh, DVOA fourteen. 12th in points per drive. Like, they are a solid, pretty major difference. Slightly above. Major difference from what? From what they were last oh, year. Oh, from. I was like, this is very similar to each other. 14th and 12th. Uh, they are solidly a little bit above middle of the pack. And that sounds not spectacular, but they're not going to. They shouldn't lose them the game. Uh, the one thing that KC does a lot better 
is defend against the pass. Uh, Kansas City against Honey the Badger. pass. Let's go. Sixth in the hey. NFL yards per Honey pass Badger, attempt. Honey Badger, man. He's sixth, been phenomenal. Sixth yards per pass attempt in the NFL. Their rush defense is not great. Um, it's in the 20s. It's nothing special. It's actually it's pretty bad, actually. It's 27, um, which is going to be a problem in this game, and we'll talk about that. But as a whole, Kansas City's defense is much improved, especially against the pass. But, I mean, Dylan sounds like he's talked himself into a KC win. I think matchups are going to play just a massive role in this game. And we'll talk about that going forward a little bit. But Ryan has not said shit. Let's go Kansas City, too baby. Busy, too busy watching James John Johnson keep doing these awful threes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ugh, they're so it's bad. Watching. watching Zion, baby. Um, oh, yeah, come on. What? Bo- I mean, come Boston, on. My- Boston, Miami. Come on now. The fuck I give about Boston for? But the – um. So like looking at the looking at the numbers um, and like the stats for both of these teams, one thing that shocked me, which I wouldn't have thought, is, uh, is San Francisco's offense scores more points and averages more yards than Kansas City does, which I probably would have bet like three hundred dollars that that was not the case. However, it it of course is with. Um, with this game, I think the one thing that uh, you still kind of aren't sure about Kansas City is the run defense. Now, they did a good job against Derrick Henry, and their defense has been way better. I think it's since, like, week 11 is when they really kind of turned it on. Uh, so even them being, like, 12th or 14th or whatever it was in DVOA is still probably a little bit low for at least um, the way that they've been playing lately. And as far as San Francisco goes, if they – I mean, they're going to try and keep their – uh, you know, their formula going, obviously, and it's uh, kind of like a styles make fights type of game. With Kansas City, they want to get out and run. They want to hit big passing plays, and they want to really put points up on the board because even if their defense isn't spectacular, in, if you can't score with their offense, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. And then for San Francisco, if they can only throw the ball eight times again, I'm sure that that's something that they're going to sign up for every single day because it means you're keeping Kansas City's offense off the field, but it also means that you're converting on your drives, uh, you no know, touchdowns, field goals, all of that. They scored 37 points against Green Bay, and you get, you know, if every time you touch the ball that you score, it doesn't matter that you're not scoring 50 if you don't give the other team kind of that opportunity to do it. One of the things that I'm going to be looking most forward to in the Super Bowl is, you know, it's kind of getting caught up in the hype train. But I've been a big Patrick Mahomes fan, you know, since the last year since he burst onto the scene. And he's a guy that I really do enjoy watching and I think is one of the more special quarterbacks that at least I've ever seen in football. Uh, so just kind of going on like the, the old uh, aspect of it, I'd rather have – definitely Patrick Mahomes than Jimmy Garoppolo but the 49ers from their offense to their defense which uh, has better numbers too better um, better yards better points allowed all the stats and all the numbers are going to favor the 49ers but if you put the rosters out in front of me I'd probably take Kansas City's roster so it is a game that I'm expecting um, to be close and I don't think it's going to be 
you know, like a 13-3 like last year's Super Bowl. But I also no, don't think it's going to be, you know, that, that 48 to – was it 43-8 um, Broncos-Seahawks Super Bowl. Uh, I So I do think it gears up to be one of the one of the best Super Bowls that we've seen in a while with a lot of really interesting storylines, you know, being can Jimmy G, you know, do what Brett – what Brady did in winning the Super Bowl, not winning, you know, six or whatever. Uh, but can he leave New England and win the Super Bowl? And then that spawns its own storylines. What if he had stayed and everything else? And I'm sure they're going to be talking about uh, all day come Super Bowl Monday, if this, uh, the, you know, Monday after the Super Bowl, if um, if Jimmy Garoppolo ends up getting it done and the Niners win the Super Bowl. And then for Patrick Mahomes, he's already at elite level quarterback status, but I, you'll get real conversations if the Chiefs do win and Patrick Mahomes is Super Bowl MVP. Of if Pat Mahomes retired today, is he already an NFL Hall of Famer? Um, given the two spectacular years, maybe two best like two two seasons of a quarterback, you know, the best quarterback play that we've ever seen. I don't think that'd be the case, but I do think it is something that you know you'd be talked about or would be talked about, and then if Pat Mahomes does go on to have like this great NFL career that I think a lot of people are expecting, this could kind of be looked at as you know, sort of the launch point, much like um, Brady in, what was it, 2000 or 2001, um, was you know his first, his first Super Bowl that just spawned this really great career. I think you can kind of have that same moment, and knowing obviously what we already know, and it's not the same case as when Brady did it. But knowing what we know with Patrick Mahomes and seeing um, what guys, specifically Brady, has accomplished in the future, I think it's something that um, we understand maybe even more as just like football fans in general. If you do have this one really, really great quarterback and you do have a good coach, even if Andy Reid's not Belichick, he's still a really good coach, you know, you can make some unprecedented, unprecedentedly great things happen. And to kind of just have, be able to be aware of that in the moment. So either way that this Super Bowl, um, either way that the Super Bowl goes, I think you're going to get a lot of kind of really interesting tidbits and storylines out of um, out of each piece of it. So for that just aspect of it alone, I'm uh, I'm really excited for for this game to kick off. It was interesting hearing Ryan talk about Mahomes' career trajectory to me. Because I look at Mahomes career-wise like what I would expect a lot like Peyton Manning. Uh, a lot of similar teams that he really had to carry the teams, put up gaudy offensive numbers, was let down in instances by a defensive laps or just odd circumstances, overtime rules, whatever, you name it. Uh, Peyton Manning similarly in his career against the Jets, overtime, Caldwell, game management, right? I, I, I That's the kind of career I look for him but interesting on Jimmy G Ryan talked about how's Jimmy G going to be perceived if he wins the Super Bowl what's interesting to me if Jimmy G wins the Super Bowl Mahomes is still on his rookie contract Jimmy G will be the first 25 million quarterback dollar quarterback to win a Super Bowl and I think maybe even like 22 plus million dollar quarterback to win a Super Bowl but I know I know no one's done it at 25 I don't know the exact number 23 whatever it is but no one's done it making that much money so it'll be interesting especially from a team building perspective but Ryan talked about the coaches, and I really wanted to hear from you, Matt, because Andy Reid is missing the one thing, and it's you got two coaches, both offensive-minded coaches, one very old school, 
coach in Andy Reid that has been doing this a long time and innovating along the way as he goes. And then a new guy like Kyle Shanahan, who to me, I view his perception, he's becoming the new Sean McVay. He's the new hotness on the block from an offensive standpoint. But he grew up with daddy teaching Mike. him the ropes, Mike Shanahan. And he really comes from an old school offensive philosophy too, which of course he's adapted into the new NFL and changed it up a bit. But you look at the way how much they pound the rock. And I want you to talk about, A, not only what we all know this ring would do for Andy Reid's career or even Kyle Shanahan's that for so long was criticized and the word nepotism was thrown around. But how do they, what is this coaching matchup like? I mean, it's great for Andy Reid. First time in, what, 15 years that he's back in the Super Bowl. One of only seven coaches to take multiple teams, different teams, to the Super Bowl. Uh, And, yeah, I mean, this is a guy who's sixth all-time in wins. The only guys ahead of him are either retired, dead, or the greatest of all time in Bill Belichick. You got Curly Lambeau, who is eight more wins. Then Tom Landry, who's a good jump. Belichick, George Hallis, and Don Shula. So they all have at least two titles. And three of these guys have six titles. And then there's Andy Reid, who, you know, famously for like four straight NFC championship games and losing three of them before finally breaking through and getting to that one that T.O. played on a broken leg and Donovan McNabb threw up in the huddle. (laughs) And now he's back with a better team much better team this team that he's got with kansas city is definitely better um than what he had with as with those mcnab eagles teams that were good teams but they weren't quite this level uh of exciting to watch and then you got you know the the legacy you know the legacy kid coming in with shanahan and his dad did it did it at denver um long-standing one of the better coaches in football while he was around and kids looking like he's not that, you know, pretty much a chip off the old block there as far as what is, you know, bringing to the table. And he's, you know, this is big for him doing this with this team that nobody expected this because it answers some questions about him about whether he is ready to do this. He looks like he proved it all year that he was. And it's going to be a good story either way. I know a lot of people are pulling for Andy Reid because, I mean, the guy's missing one thing. He's been at it and so good at it for so long now. Uh, really wanted this guy to come to Detroit after he left Philadelphia. Really wish we could have got him. That would have been a lot of fun to, uh, to watch him trouncing around in a Honolulu blue shirt oh instead. God. It would be so fitting and so wonderful. But no, we don't get nice things. <laughs> I, so, Dylan, please answer this for yeah. me. Do you think Kansas City is going to win this game? Are we there? Are we there yet? Well, we can get there. I mean, I don't know how long you want us to do Super Bowl talk, but we can start getting to the point. Uh, yes, I do. Okay, I thought, uh, I thought you did. Por qué? Multiple, re- m- multiple reasons being, uh, and in fairness, I do want to point out that I had the Super Bowl last year down to a T as well for the, exe- for the same reasons I'm about to lay out. Uh, I think that, especially with a young coaching staff, like what Kyle Shanahan brings to the table, and even though uh, Roman, what's the uh, defensive Rains? coordinator? It starts with P. P. I thought. Um, Pasqualoni. No, no. God what damn, are we, I'm no. sorry. I, I missed it. What are we talking about? The defensive coordinator for uh, 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 San Francisco. He's, no the defensive, defensive coordinator. coordinator. I'm kidding. Stop. God damn it. What? 
See, this is where I feel like Kobe right now. You're all being smush parkers to me right now. It's well, Salah. Kobe would remember. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I don't know how Robert to pronounce his Sa- name. Robert Sala. That's his name. Robert Sala. That's his name. How Greg did you Roman get Roman out of any of that? Because Greg Roman used to be the uh, offensive okay. coordinator. Yeah, that's fair. So, <laughs> so, it's, so though, it's Sala, not Sala? It's Sala. <laughs> and so Robert Sala and Kyle Shanahan, both phenomenal. Robert Sala should have gotten an NFL head coaching job. He will next year. Not that if they get ran. Does, however, not play in their favor when they're going up against the one man who stopped the unbeatable team and arguably the best offense we have ever seen, which is substantially better, in my opinion, than both of either of these offenses, that 2007 New England team. But not only is the guy I've already talked about, Spagnuolo, he's going to be in this game, they has a lot of experience with. Andy Reid, as much as I have given him a hard time for being a choke artist, when he's going up against a young guy like this, like Shanahan in, what, his second or third season in the NFL, I think that Andy Reid, and we've coach. already seen it. Right, right. As we've already seen... In the playoffs, Kansas City, while they don't run the ball a lot, have had a lot of brilliant play calls specifically. And I know Ryan and I were watching this together. It was Kansas City called. They had Tyreek Hill lining up in the tight end position where Travis Kelsey usually is. It was They were on like the 11-yard line, and it was in the red zone. And they had uh, um, Damian Williams. They faked a sweep to the right forward lateral pitch to Tyreek Hill with the guard and center pulling out. It was brilliant. And I think that calls like that, especially when you give Andy Reid time, if you look at it, Andy Reid's record off of buys is absurd. And it's because he's a brilliant tactician. The intellectual thing coming back in. You give me experience, you give me a defense that really helps the snowball effect I just think that even if Kansas City gets down majorly, like San Francisco has done to Minnesota and Green Bay, based on their playoff run, right? And, and but that's the thing. I don't think it matters at all because the minute that Kansas City's offense starts rolling, that defense goes with it. And as Ryan instead said, Jimmy G, I do not trust to be able to go blow for blow, and I don't think San Francisco's defense is good enough to be able to keep Kansas City down. Nobody has yet, and I don't suspect that they will. So I am going to take Kansas City winning this game uh, like a 38-35, 38-34 kind of game. So I just, I'm not sure if I can reconcile all the things you just said about Andy Reid with all the things you've said the previous 50 casts about Andy (laughs) Reid. But it was very nice to listen to. Um, And nothing you said was fundamentally untrue. But I look at this game as a matchup nightmare for Kansas City. Um, I think it just really plays to the strengths of San Francisco. So we talked about Kansas City's defense a little bit already, uh, how improved that they are, especially from last year, and how solid their past defense is. Uh, One thing that is, well, there's many things notable, but Kansas City, we talked, they're 14th in DVOA. My favorite stat, points per drive. How many points you give up every time you're actually on the field. Because that means a lot more than things like points per game. Because you might have the ball six times in a game. You might have the ball 12 times in a game. Uh, How much you actually give up when you're on the field. Much more important to me. Uh, Kansas City 12th in the NFL. It's pretty solid, right? But they have a very bend 
don't break defense, which is weird considering they're also a solid pass defense in general. But they're 25th in the NFL when it comes up to yardage given up per drive. And normally you say, well, you know, they're bending and they're not breaking. And we've seen this a ton of times. We've seen all the field goals kicked against Kansas City and how that's affected games in that when it mattered, they tightened things up in the red zone. And you can point out to that being the strength of their team. The problem is the most important thing for red zone success in offense is being able to run the ball. And it's the thing that San Francisco does absolutely best. And it's the thing that Kansas City doesn't defend really well, which again is another anomaly that you have a team in Kansas City that's not great at defending the run, yet has a good bend-don't-break defense. I think it's going to break this week. And if, especially if, so Kansas City has shown a propensity, especially lately, to sleepwalk through the beginning of games. And you say usually you can't do that against good teams, but Kansas City's good enough to make up for it, whatever. They're not against San Francisco because that plays right into everything that San Francisco does and wants to do. And uh, Ryan threw out earlier, he said um, San Francisco actually scores more points than Kansas City, and that shocked him. And overall, yes, comp- comparatively, they're actually very similar. In-, in points per drive, Kansas City just edges out. San Francisco. I actually bet a little bit. They put up 2.7 points per drive to keep San Francisco's 2.47. But on defense, it's a little bit reversed. And the thing about San Francisco is they're so balanced. And we talked about what is what is what are they going to do if Jimmy G has to throw the ball. The thing is, because San Francisco's so good at running the ball, they have great success when they pass the ball. San Francisco is tied for second just barely a hair off first for most yards per pass attempt in the NFL ahead of Kansas City Kansas or I'm sorry tied not ahead of tied with Kansas City they're just successful on their pass attempts is Patrick Mahomes in that Kansas City offenses and when you couple that with a run game that is just crushing in the play action that they're going to be able to run in the mismatch they can generate with Kittle against the things that Kansas City doesn't do well, the few things that they struggle with, I think there's so much plays into San Francisco's hands, and I really think this should be a great game. And both of these teams are good at so many things across the board, but if you look at, if you want to pick on some deficiencies, that's where it's going to be. And, and you look at the offense of Kansas City, they're going to have to throw the ball, we know that, especially if they get down. Well, again, now we're again playing into San Francisco's strength. They sack teams at the third highest rate in the league. 9% of your dropbacks, you're getting sacked. Their front seven generates insane pressure. And a team that's built around the pass, that's built around the big play developing, and might have to play from behind, and isn't going to be able to control the clock against San Francisco, that is a recipe for trouble. And I just don't... This game could be a great one. But it wouldn't surprise many people if it turned into Carolina-Denver, a great game on paper that comes unraveled on the field in the Super Bowl because of the matchups. It, it, Patrick Mahomes will fall on that fumble, though. It, I, I do believe that, yes. I actually think he would just not fumble in the first place because he's fucking Patrick Mahomes. But, um, but no, I, I just... Just looking at the way these teams match up and the strengths, the weaknesses, the how you'd expect this game to play out, I think so much of it plays into San Francisco's hands. Of course, what you said about Andy Reid is true, and Jimmy G 
might be getting a little too much credit and guaranteed will if they do win this game. Mahomes is the vastly better quarterback. So you have a more experienced coach, not to take away from Shanahan, because I think Shanahan's a brilliant mind, and I think everyone here loves Shanahan. But you have the more experienced coach who's been there, done that, and you have the vastly better quarterback. And that is the equalizer, but Mahomes isn't playing this game alone. I, I think it matters who gets out on first. You know, if, if, if the Niners have to play catch-up, that does not suit their style. Absolutely. Agree 100%. And, but Jimmy has weapons. The man does have weapons to throw to, and he's not a terrible passer of the ball. But they very much want that run team to be very involved and wear down that Kansas City line. And if they succeed in that, Kansas City's in a lot of trouble because we've seen what the Niners can do when they just wear you down in that second half. You know, we saw it with Minnesota. We saw a lot of it with, with Green Bay. And then just big bodies weighing you down again and again. You get tired. And those big guys coming through, whether it's Breda, whether it's Mostert, uh, don't know if uh, Coleman's playing or not. He's still questionable. Probably he's playing. But that's a lot of weapons if the Niners can get out front. If Kansas City jumps out to a 14 nothing lead, I don't know how much the Niners are going to be happy with just running the football. I think the, I think the first quarter is going to be very is going to matter a lot for this football game. See, I, see that I'm not as sure about. So. I think Kansas City pretty much has no chance if they get pounced on early, like they have recently. But I don't think San Francisco will be quick to abandon their guns. If it's the fourth quarter and they're down 14, maybe. But I think the first few quarters... If they're down 17 in the first? Not in the I first quarter. And it not is a three score? Quarter. Not in the first quarter. Yeah, I, I don't understand how you can you, come to that conclusion. You get, with well, I understand how you can. Staff. I understand how you can because teams I think it matters it a lot time. for San Francisco. I, teams do it all the time. But third, halfway through the third down 17, yeah, you're going to see them pass the ball more. But let's not act like and, – and yes, I – I just said Mahomes is vastly better than Garoppolo, but let's not act like Garoppolo's been bad. He hasn't been asked to do a ton, and he obviously has a very nice system to play in. But by pretty much every metric across the board, he's been a borderline top 10 quarterback this year. But as you had said before, Kansas City's strength is its secondary anyway. With Honey Badger back there and Daniel Sorensen and Bashad Breeland being fantastic in the postseason... Uh, they do not want to be playing that. And I'll be honest, let's, if that's the scenario where Kansas City gets out 14 nothing, not an inconceivable notion at all, you give Spagnolo a 14-point gap, that game's over. So I want to be to me, clear, though. Over. One thing that I think is very important to note, that we say we talk about how much Kansas City's improved and how much better they are on the defensive side of the ball. They're still not the no-fly zone. They still can. Right. Give and you still got to stop Kittle. They still and and Kittle I don't know who's is Kittle. like like I said, Kittle is your matchup nightmare. What do you do? Do you put Honey Badger on him? Because that's going to really mess with the way Kansas City ends up playing defense if they have to shadow him with him. Who? Do, what do you do? Do you bracket him? Do you throw ten different looks at him? And, and I expect them to have a good plan, but he's not the only one on the team either. So if you're diverging all this attention to Kittle. What is your front seven doing? They're going to get eaten alive by by San Francisco's run run rushing attack, and I just I, I just really think, and I can say it a thousand times, and 
anyone who's watched football long enough, anyone who pays attention, more than just talent, more than just statistics, it's the matchups that make the game. And that's why you can't use a transitive property in sports because one team can match up with another a lot better than another. And San Francisco is basically a much better version of Tennessee. They are literally Tennessee, but much, much more talented and with a better offensive coaching staff. So we saw Kansas City struggle with Tennessee early, and they came back because they have way more talent, and that's fine. But that's not going to work against San Francisco. And if San Francisco leaves the first quarter with a 10-point lead, the game's over to me. Now, it can still be a good game down the stretch, but I do not see Kansas City coming back. Whereas if KC leads 10 after the first quarter, I could still see San Francisco winning the game. I'm not saying they're going to, but I could still see them winning the game because they don't have to leave their identity. I don't know how you say that with a team that scores three touchdowns in like 85 seconds that Kansas City has shown they can do. (laughs) Like, this team can can attack so fast. No, I know. But, But, you know, the fact that this offense can can strike so quick at times with Tyreek Hill or with Mahomes, like that, to me, that's why I say with San Francisco so it, that likes to run much more than Garoppolo passing. If you last 20 seconds and you score a touchdown, if you just give up a touchdown on the other end. Okay. You think, I, I, you think San Francisco's going to be able to just score, score every time? I don't think either team is going to score a will. But I don't care. I would. I think sustainable drives are a much better predictor of success than the fact that, oh, we can score in 30 seconds because we have Tyreek Hill. Well, we'll see. What is over under? Like 54? No, it's got to be higher than that. I don't think... I think it's like 55. I actually don't think it's crazy. No, I thought I'll, it was set at like I 70. will tell you... No! No. no! There is... No, no, no. You are not... <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. God, no. For a Super Bowl? You crazy. This ain't, this ain't, this ain't the Big 12? <laughs> it's 54. Uh, 54 and a yeah, half. Yeah, 54 okay. and a half. It opened at 54. So it's 54 and a half huh. now. Crazy. Well, I'm gonna have. I'm gonna set it at seven. And Kansas City's favored by one, which so I mean it's it's expected to be a good. So they're expecting like a 27-24. I don't see how that. Thirty twenty-seven, somewhere in that kind of range, football game. Winning teams going to score at least thirty. Well, that'd be thirty twenty-seven. Fifty-four. Ryan. I, Ryan, <laughs> close it out, muddy guy. That's it. We're not. We didn't even all make. Well, no, I mean. Yes, I know. So predict. What? We have the picks. Yeah, not what I thought he meant at all. Are, are we doing score predictions? I already did. did. What was it? I missed it. Thirty-eight, thirty-five. Oh yeah, no, I remember. It was really fucking high. No wonder you said seventy. <laughs> yeah, no 30, shit. Thirty-four, twenty-four, Kansas City, baby. That's Kansas cool. City by ten points, man. Yeah, baby. Felon Davis is going to get that Super Bowl ring on injured reserve. Hey, let's go. Go green. Go white. Uh, I got 26-24. Niners gang, baby. Oh, shocking. The West Coaster. I got 31-27 after KC scores a late touchdown to make it look closer than it was. Uh, the uh, Texas syndrome. <laughs> I mean, I, just, I, I really like San Francisco in this game. I do. And I, so it sounds. 
But I kind of, I want Kansas City to win. So. I do too. I just I just don't. I I mean uh. I'm a little torn, but a I feel like I feel like San Francisco's window is larger, which I know sounds crazy to say, but Mahomes is about to get paid. I don't. Mahomes is about to get paid somewhere in the realm of forty million dollars a year, and their defense is is in great shape. So they have out. a lot around. They don't have much now. That's what I'm saying. Jimmy G already got paid, and he's under contract for four more years at least at just 25 which is pretty reasonable and they have a pretty solid team in a, in a coaching staff that's going to be there probably longer um i i think their window's larger and andy reed man i everyone in the world not named dylan loves andy reed because andy <laughs> reed is amazing i mean he really I mean, is i just did I he, all the praises. How, how, did, how did he end the AFC Championship game? He ate a cheeseburger. I, exa- that's why Dylan's so mad. That, I, it all makes sense now. Like, God dang. Um, no, I, who doesn't want to see Andy Reid get a ring? And it, it'll be awesome. And if Mahomes can strike early, man, the career that he might be able to have. And I really do think his contract will derail him from max potential because they don't expect him. And I, I'm not saying he should, but no one should say he should just throw money away but i don't expect him to take the tom brady path of just giving up money to have a better team um and obviously when you're trying to win titles that money matters i think talent wise i mean he's absolutely absurd but we all know that talent doesn't necessarily win super bowls at the quarterback position because you got to pay for that talent and it really hinders team building is this the best team each team has faced all year what they're about to face I, that's a well, loaded question. I don't know. Been, they kind of been the two best. I mean, Kansas City had a rockier path, but they've right, been like right. the Mahomes two, got hurt. Two of the best teams all year anyway. Well, I'm trying to think yeah. who. So San Francisco had that crazy game in New Orleans. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that and that's. And, and Kansas City had that early game against the Ravens when they were, on, like, scorching on fire. Yeah, they, they played the Ravens. You were super high on. Seattle more than I was. I think they had too many deficiencies. I mean, in fairness, uh, Seattle before they got hurt struggled, struggled with Seattle. And they both played very Minnesota, much. who I think is very good. Um, that was, that was Minnesota on a hot streak too. I mean, yeah. I yes, it should be. I mean, it's a Super Bowl, right? It absolutely should be, and I think it is. I think these so were I, the two best teams, though. Like, obviously, this is the this was the matchup of the two best teams, which I don't know if we've had in a Super Bowl in some time. Like, these are uh, the clear in my mind two best teams. No, it's Philly and, and New England. That after, is very revisionist after of the, you after the Saints went down. <laughs> I was about to no, I'm saying like from the start of the year to now. These are the two clear, without any notion of otherwise, the two best teams. I think New England-Seattle was the one that I would point last to. Last time, and that was, what, four or five years ago? It was a handful ago? years ago, yeah. It was a while That, that was, was like the one that I'd really point to. 14, like, 24. Like, yeah, it was five years ago. Cut the entire that was five years five, ago. Five going on six, actually. And it wasn't – and that's the one. Like, that's the year, and every, a lot of people had them in the Super Bowl, and that was the, the one that – So but, that's, but, what, that's, so that's what, what I'm saying. Where, that's why so I think this, this will be so but good. at the beginning of the year, people were not high on San Francisco. Not no, no one knew it. No, 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 no. Dylan, they weren't. Dylan, Super they were four high. and twelve last year. We, no one was this we were high on the Niners. Coming out of training camp with people talking about Garoppolo throwing five picks on five passes in practice, and is he the answer at quarterback? 
True People were not high on this team at the beginning. That's still of the year. maybe the worst it, thing I've ever heard. Jesus Christ. It what? I didn't know that. That's crazy. Oh, you didn't hear about five that? Picks on five passes? In no, practice, it was, it was like Richard Sherman was like, "Oh my God, you don't remember that for real?" It was kind of like a big thing. Um, nah. And then, it was in like preseason week three, though. Yeah, it was in the height, like go, soon oh, going into damn. the season. Yeah, no, it was bad. Throw it away. So that's the thing. It's like. It was a big deal, and people were like, "Is this guy going to be able to do it? Is is he not the quarterback they thought he was going to be?" So, and then Ryan is the perfect example. Did not believe in San Francisco like the entire year, despite no matter how well they played. It took people time. Their schedule was really easy to start. Their first six games were basically crap. The Steelers without Ben Roethlisberger. And they were wildly inconsistent in a way that I don't think Kansas City has been. And that's all the more reason I'm concerned. Like, as much as Paul nah, with your matchups and everything. No, I'm talking still. I don't know what you – I don't think anybody can know what they're going to see out of San Francisco, whereas I think we know what we're going to expect out of Kansas City. I don't know. San Francisco's now, whether or not that leads back. to a victory or not. I mean, like, I their just, defense is back I mean, and healthy, and that made a huge difference that you saw in the postseason that you didn't see in the last three weeks of the regular season because those guys were missing. I just watched them absolutely dominate the shit out of two very good teams. So, uh, in the playoffs, when it matters. Again, revisionist. I'm not as high on There's not really anybody hurt on either side. There's a lot of people. Like, Tevin yeah. Coleman might miss. I know. But you can't that, say no, Green Bay is not a top six team in the NFL. No, but they're not an offense compared to what Kansas City brings no. to the table, and neither is Minnesota. They did score 20 points in the second half, though. The game was over. After All of their they points. Have. Relax. I'm just saying. The game was so over. It, it was pretty over. It was done. I was. It was. That's the only thing that was. So this playoffs was pretty anticlimactic, so far. Yeah, for the, the most first part. two rounds were amazing. We no, yeah, that, that was the early rounds were great. The later rounds, not so much. Except in, no, but you know what? But in but actually, that's not true because you got to see some fun stuff like big upsets. You know, Titans taking down Baltimore. Sorry, Ryan. That was early. Um, that was the first. No, that was second week. First round for Baltimore. First game. Okay, so the championship games were. I mean. Titans gave him a battle. The Titans were good for a, minute, for a while yeah. against Kansas City. But that's a, that's what it, and that's why I think Kansas City's in trouble. San Francisco is literally a much better version of the Titans. They're the same but team Kansas City is facing the same team in different versions three times if in you, a row: Houston, you, <laughs> Tennessee, San Francisco. A running heavy Yo. game with a quarterback that is, you know, not sure what you're getting. You all see this defense. If you gave San Francisco Derrick Henry. I would predict San Francisco by 25 points. Like, uh, in, in you would think just, there's a better chance San Francisco blows out Kansas City than the other than way the around. other way around? Absolutely, because San Francisco. I know they've been they've looked really good the last so two weeks. We know, I know. That, so I did not predict but, a play, blowout, but San Francisco has way more ways to control the game than Kansas City does. Kansas City has one way, and that is to score a ton fast through the air and. Which yeah. they do. And if that Inherently. ends up working, they can get a lot of touchdowns in the first half. <laughs> On top of that, I'm sorry, but did you see the logo I just shared? That's what they've been using all year. San Francisco can control the game. Kansas City the by 40 points now. Look at that. Both ways. They are elite at passing and running the football. And their front seven can completely own the game and just completely ruin it. Just like Denver did. Exactly. I do want to point out to Carolina. I do want to point out that you are you were this ardent about the Los Angeles Rams last year, and look what happened. So, no, I was not. 
Yes, you no, were. So Go I, ahead and listen to it so again. I, you were. You had no doubt in your mind that Los Angeles was going I, to beat the Patriots. That's not true Patriots. at all. I said that Aaron Donald. I said I literally verbatim said Los Angeles has the perfect recipe. And guess what? They did everything I expected them to do on defense. They held New England to 13 points. I am sorry that I didn't expect them to score <laughs> three. How many points three. did they score? Three. three points. Three. So three. I stand by absolutely everything I said this. If I told you before the game New England scores 13 points, you would have bet me everything you fucking own that New England loses that game. All, right. All I want to know is, are we doing a prep uh, prop bet sheet, and how much is it to get in? No. What do what? you mean, No. What? We did it last What do you year? mean, no? We did a whole show. Yeah, we had part of a show was on prop bets, remember? But we didn't get to we do that. Whole yeah, picks that if, if Don picks Kansas City, we can't be tied in picks. So we got to do over or under or something. Well, I mean, you picked your, You said your score. So your score is already telling you. You're, you're not going tied over right now, are you? Aren't you ahead of Don, by the way? Yeah, one? no, we're tied. Because I took, I took Green Bay. Hold on a hot second. I think that you just made you within one bastard. game. I, I'm going to pull up the pick sheet right now. I'm, I'm pretty sure you still have a game lead. Not a game lead last week. I think you had a two-game lead and last Don week. But I'm pick pulling them up, and we will settle this. Yeah, you had a two-game lead. You're ahead by one game still. Right. Well, you better let Don know. You better be picking the Niners, gang. I mean, no. We're just going to ask chance. Well, I'm, Don will make a post about it. It's going to be on DSN Although I think Don will pick the Niners, I believe. And then we'll have a tie, and then they have to fight. Okay. So, for each team. Bring on, old man. For each team, you know, <laughs> assuming they win, who's winning uh, MVP? Mahomes, baby. All right, and if the Niners win? I want to say most are so bad. Oh. Most air. That's right. You, you saying most air, Ryan? Yes, sir. All right. I, or maybe Nick Bosa going to play out of his I mind to go to the White House. I get a defensive MVP. Nah, because they're going to score too much to get a defensive MVP. Bosa <sighs> with six sacks on six rise. Three fumble recoveries. Man, I don't like this question. I mean, <laughs> Instead of a Super Bowl hat, he just wears a MAGA hat. It's stupid. Hat obviously, Mahomes is MVP if Kansas City wins. There's no, no question in the world I about it. I disagree with that. I'm going to say Kittle. You honey badger? I'm going to say Kittle MVP. Frank Clark? I, I actually am. I think it'll either be Tyron Matthew or it'll be uh, Tyree. I'm going to say Kittle MVP. Well, I, think Ke- I think Kittle catch, catches a couple clutch touchdowns. I think the running game gets him down there, but I think Kittle comes up big with a couple cuts, touchdowns and wins MVP, and I can't fucking talk. So what, Kittle, Kittle's got like 85 yards and three touchdowns? Two touchdowns, MVP? just two. Just two. Just two? 85 and two gets it, gets it for the tight end? Yeah, they're going to be, I mean, Jimmy G's only going to have like 170 yards with the two touchdowns, and he might throw a pick or fumble, so. No, I, I think, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with, I'm, I'll go with Mo Stare for, uh, for Niners. Oh, man, I didn't know you were just throwing your money away. And Can we call him Mozart like he deserves? Because he is literally a work of art. Oh, my God. I can't wait You're until so he You're so mad that you eighth. didn't use him. I can't. You didn't uh, use no, him properly. You know what, I, you know what I think is fantastic is if is the minute that he goes to his eighth team and then he turns out like Frank Gore this year. I have a question. It wasn't just this year. He'll have a 200-yard game in the playoffs. Hang on. He had a very brief, because he got hurt, but a very brief but great run with the Niners two years ago or last year? One of the two. 
It was a couple games, and he was fantastic. Yeah, I had his ass in fantasy and was happy as shit. <laughs> and then How got are hurt. you? I just don't know. So this man had four touchdowns, 220 yards, and while the game was not in garbage time, was averaging 10 yards a carry. That's crazy. It's almost like Green Bay are fucking jokers. Why didn't everyone else on the team do that? He's not the only one that ran the ball. I can't justify to you why he gets more carries than the other better running backs. I don't know. I'm not Tevin Coleman. Tevin is, Coleman averaged no way, three yards a carry. Like better against than the most same people. team. Come on, dude. What Breda do? Breda. He, he got hurt, Breda. didn't he? Yeah, he did. I think he got hurt that's really he, early. Yeah, that's why the coveted Mostert was able to even steal the job in the first place. You're point. so hateful of this, man. I don't <laughs> that's understand why. why. Twenty yards. In four touchdowns. Four touchdowns. Like, why do you hate a man who's worked his ass off to In all-time playoff here? performance. Meanwhile, much more heralded Aaron Jones, a whopping 50 yards and a touchdown. And I love Aaron Jones. It's not his fault that his coaching staff is garbage and Aaron Rodgers wants to throw the ball 100 times. But come on, man. Well, you have to when you're losing by fucking. Yeah, they did all year anyway. No matter god dang what. I, I watched them throw four consecutive plays at the goal line with their best receiver on the sideline. With Aaron Jones just sitting there not touching the fucking ball. Ah, good times. Got them that right. NFC North So we're, we got two for the Niners, two for KC, right? Yes. This is nice. Yep. This is balance. This is wonderful. What was your score, Matt? <laughs> Uh, I said 26-24. All right, right. Not on your life. The best part is when when they kicked the field goal to get to 23, to make the game 24-23, Dylan is going to be screaming that Kyle Shanahan needs to be fired. <laughs> Goddamn right. He'll, he'll still say it after they win the Super Bowl if they, if they kick hey, the field goal. Hey, hey. My 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 asking for Bill O'Brien's firing got him a job promotion. You are so you, how no. much more cursed can you be? Fire Bill O'Brien. Bill no, O'Brien if anything, this guarantees his fate even more. Uh, I feel so bad for Deshaun. GM duties. God dang. I feel so bad for Deshaun. Like he, we'll never know if he's good or not anymore. All right, he's take cursed. take us out. I mean, you, you you know he's good. You just, <laughs> he's right, never gonna do anything. Yeah. He can't. He's he's trapped there like de- like a uh, David Carr. <laughs> Speaking of trapped, go get trapped into all of our social media pages and all of our podcast content. You can find our social media: Facebook at Sports Carnage Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Sports Carnage. On YouTube at Sports Carnage Podcast. And then you can listen to your podcast uh, right here on Podbean or on Apple iTunes. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, rate, review, and comment on the on the podcast that you like to let us know that uh, that you liked them. And then go ahead and ask us some questions there, and then maybe they get answered on here. But that is what we have for tonight. Rest in peace, Kobe. Rest in peace, Black Mamba. Absolutely beautiful, you guys. I can't believe it's come to an end. Um, you guys will always be in my heart, and uh, I sincerely, sincerely appreciate it. No words can describe how I feel about you guys. And uh, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I, God, I love you guys, and uh, I love you guys. And uh, my family, to my family, my wife Vanessa, our daughters Natalia and Gianna. You know, thank you guys for all your sacrifice. You know, for all the hours I spent in the gym working and training. And Vanessa, you holding down the family the way that you have. 
I, I, I can't, there's no way that I could thank you enough for that. So, yeah, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. And, uh, what can I say? Mamba out.